until you get in the three to five year range of being at a church, you do not have the respect necessary or the trust build up necessary to make major changes. I know you see those things the first day you go in the door, but you have to learn to work within the culture of that church if you're an established church. That is a blessing about planning a new church. If there's going to be any weird stuff that's going to happen at church, you started it. You can't blame anybody else for it. From Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute, this is the Level Paths Podcast. My name is Chris Weigel, and we're glad you've taken some time to join us. Church planting is tricky business. It requires a well-oiled approach that addresses hundreds of moving parts. On this Level Paths Podcast, Church Planting in Appalachia. How is it different from everywhere else? Rex and Dr. Matt are having a conversation with Dr. Keith Menshouse. Dr. Keith started Lifesong Church in Russell, Kentucky, and is still the pastor there today. He has plenty of Appalachian church planting insights. Here's Rex. Welcome to the Level Paths Podcast. My name is Rex Howe. I serve as the president of Tri-State Bible College. I'm here with Dr. Matt Shamblin, the Appalachian Research Fellow. We have our conference coming up on Tuesday, April 25th. The doors open at 8. Registration is open now. Uh, We have crossed that March to April threshold, which means that the price has gone up just a little bit, but we've even lowered that late registration price, Matt. It's not $40, but $30. We've got a full day planned for you. Plenary speaker Dean Fox is going to be with us. Chosen Road is going to be with us. We're going to have our Q&A Appalachian ministry panel, storyteller Jacob Marshall, and 14 different breakout sessions. We've got soup beans and cornbread and pepperoni rolls, and we got our book table back where you can get some free books for your ministry. We're excited. The atmosphere on campus is exciting. Matt, how are you today? Man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This is, as we're recording this, just before Easter, so things are really busy. It's hard to get our mind focused on a lot of other things other than the resurrection, but what a wonderful thing to captivate our minds. You know, I want to encourage folks to be at the Appalachian Ministry Conference. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day of ministry, but ministry especially in the last few years has become, we can easily be discouraged. It's so difficult to accomplish much. And so let me encourage you to come out. We don't know everything. Our speakers don't know everything, that's for sure. But what we definitely know is that we're going to eat well. We're going to be encouraged. It's going to be a great time to spend with one another. And Chosen Road will definitely be worth the trip. So I hope that folks will come out to this. Well, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, we are, are good friends with this brother. Dr. Keith Menshouse joins us. Dr. Keith is not only serving on our board at Tri-State Bible College, he's a local pastor, a church planter, and he's going to be doing our church planting in Appalachia breakout session at the conference. Dr. Keith, how's it going, brother? Hey, it's going well. Appreciate being with you guys today. This is exciting. Getting ready for the conference three weeks away. Keith and I both are Southern Baptists, and we serve in the same area. And as Southern Baptists, Southern Baptists are autonomous Baptist churches that are 
united together for the purpose of missions and fellowship. And in our local area, uh, we call them associations. Keith pastors a church in the association where I pastor. And Keith's been here for quite a while. You've been here a couple different stints, I believe. And uh, Keith's always been such an encouragement to me and other pastors in the area. And he's going to be an incredible blessing to the folks at our conference. So, Keith, we're going to go ahead and just jump in. You've both pastored churches, established churches in the association, I believe, and you've planted a church in the association. And so give us a little bit about your story. Well, I uh, was born in Ashland and grew up at Fairview Baptist Church, which is a Southern Baptist Church near my home. Uh, was saved at an age of 10, felt a call to ministry, didn't really know what that exactly meant at 14. Actually, my first ministry stop, Matt, was at Rose Hill Baptist Church. Served under Brother Stewart as a summer missionary when I was 16 years old at the Mission Church out at Rush. My first stop in college was at Campbellsville University because Back then, I had some athletic ability, played basketball for them for my freshman year. We went 4-26. and The coach got fired, and we all had to reevaluate life. So I finished at Moorhead State. You know, at that point in time, I had some friends that went to Tri-State Bible College, but we were not accredited. Tri-State was not accredited when I went there. So I went the different route, finished at Moorhead with a double major Uh, in psychology and communications. I felt like they gave me a good background for pastoring and was at the time serving as a youth pastor at First Baptist Cannonsburg in our area. And we lost our pastor. And I made a phone call to Cleveland, Ohio, to talk to a friend of mine that I'd gone to school with at Campbellsville. I said, would you consider coming, be our next pastor? You know, let me turn your name in. He said, absolutely not. But how about you and your wife, Debbie, come here to Cleveland and start a new church? And that was the beginning of church planning for me. We loaded up in January of 1982 in a blizzard and went to Cleveland and started a church there in a high school in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. Stayed there uh, in Ohio, there and in around the Dayton area for uh, nine years. And then I felt like it was time to finish what I had as a plan. And, and uh, God finally gave me the opportunity to go back to school. So we uh, took off for Wake Forest, North Carolina, and I enrolled at Southeastern Seminary. I went there because during that time in Southern Baptist life, the seminaries were going through a lot of changes. I heard Dr. Louis Drummond come to the Southern Baptist Convention of all places in Las Vegas and put out an appeal for conservative students to come to Southeastern, and I knew that was what I needed to do. So we went there, uh, finished my MDiv and doctorate back-to-back, and uh, we stayed 10 years in North Carolina. Then I prayed that prayer, God, send me anywhere you want to send me. Please don't send me home. And it wasn't long after that, that uh, I got a phone call from Catlisburg, Kentucky, 20 minutes from where I grew up. And uh, we came back to the area in 1999 to serve at Oakland Avenue Baptist Church. From there, you know, things were going great. And Oakland Avenue's been a established, you talk about established churches in our area. I think it was founded in 1880, somewhere in that neighborhood. Wonderful folks there. Things were going great. But at the time, I had a 16-year-old son who had just got his driver's license and had a serious accident, wrapped his car around a telephone pole at the driver's door. And to make a long, long story short, I had to leave ministry for almost a year to come home and just take care of him full time. We brought him home. He couldn't turn over in the bed. He couldn't 
swallow. He couldn't talk. So it took a year for all of that to kind of settle to where his rehabilitation was to the point that I could think about doing anything else with ministry besides home. At that point, I got a call from Fairview Baptist Church, my home church growing up. Mike Rice, who was the pastor there, he's gone on to be with the Lord since, but Mike said, uh, Keith, I want you to pray about starting a new church in Ashland. We in the Kentucky Baptist Convention want to plant some what we call high impact churches, which we feel like could reach younger people who do not go to church in our area. Again, this was a long process. I, I told him no four or five times. Finally, I was going to tell him no for the last time in an email. And my son walks up behind me after a year of rehabilitation. Now he's walking and coming back to be himself. And he he stands behind me. He says, Dad, I think you need to do this for my generation. I've often said, as I tell that story, how do you tell Lazarus no? So uh, we committed then. I say we, our family committed at that point in time to be a part of that plant. And that ended up being Lifesong Church. And we launched in 2006. For more of that story, by the way, about what we went through during that time, there is still a Facebook page up called The Fourth Man in the Car. If you want to kind of see that story, you can order my one and only published book of the same title for, I think, about $1.50 on uh, Amazon now. I don't know what's going for now. <laughs> Keith, I did not know that. I didn't know anything about that that had happened with your son. I've got so many questions more about that. So I'll buy the book. I'll give you a copy, man. I'll save you $1.50. Okay. 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 Well, and, you know, first got to say Mike Rice with the Lord, but what a prince of a fella. And telling Mike Rice no would have been a very difficult challenge in and of itself. (laughs) I'm grateful for the way Southern Baptists do missions and the way Kentucky Baptists do missions during that time to plant those churches. So, Let's talk just a moment about ministry you've ministered in and outside of Appalachia. So let's talk a little bit about the differences that you see between ministry outside of Appalachia and really what makes ministry unique in Appalachia. Well, that's probably a couple hours long for a podcast, really. But one of the best things I think anybody can do who wants to do ministry here is to get away or at least go some other places and try to get a sense of what is different here. Of course, The culture is different in a major city. You know, I served in Cleveland, Dayton, Raleigh, Durham. So we're talking about, you know, multicultural environments. Every one of those areas has their own local issues and that sort of thing. But it does open your mind to how complicated really it is to communicate the gospel in different cultures. Now, I say that because for somebody to come to Appalachia who is not from Appalachia is going to experience that same kind of culture shock. It almost happened to me. We were gone for 21 or 22 years, and it was reverse culture shock just to come back home. You know, my son and I used to joke that we have to drive 45 minutes now just to smell the shrink rack at Best Buy. You know, so uh, we had to kind of, you know, settle into that sort of a different idea. But it goes deeper than that. It goes to the spirituality, goes to the openness of people. You know, one of the things I loved in the North was, and I don't mean this to sound... um, bad in any way, shape or form. But I like for folks to just be straight with me. And I learned in, you know, in the northern culture, somebody might tell you to get off their porch, but that was where it ended that, you know, if you met them somewhere else or they started coming to church, you really knew where you stood here. You know, they may act all sweetie, sweetie to you while you're on your porch and then talk like you about a dog, like you're a dog when they you go home. 
so it's it's different in that way there you know there are a lot of different other cultural barriers to church planning here that really you have to think through in the church planning work in Appalachia in the pre-plant work what are some of the things that you do leading up to the plant date like the opening day what's some of that work look like well i think it kind of starts you know, with your calling to plant a church. Church planning is not for the faint of heart. If you have to have somebody pat you on the back all the time and encourage you that your day went well, don't be a church planner because there are going to be days that it's just you, your family, and the Lord, and that's all you got. Part of our prep work was sort of done by the KBC here at our church plant because they had commissioned a study back in 2005, and, you know, we launched in 06 from the Barna Research Institute and they studied religious norms across Kentucky. And we were able to zero in on some of the stumbling blocks, spiritual stumbling blocks of Eastern Kentucky. Our purpose was to try to get around those stumbling blocks, uh, build a bridge over them, whatever. For instance, the number one reason back then, and I don't think this has changed much, that people said they didn't go to church in our area was because of judgmentalism. So if you meet me on a Sunday, I've got a pair of jeans and a t-shirt on. Of course, you meet me any day of the week. That's pretty much how I look. But the point was that we wanted to try to get across was we don't want somebody then judged for what they have on, which was at the top of the list. You know, how many times have we all invited somebody to church around here? And well, I don't have any church clothes. Okay, well, then that's on us. That's a stumbling block we created in the uh, normative church in eastern Kentucky. So, you know, if you take a start, take a look at those kinds of things in your area, that's a place to start. You also have to look at population trends and all sorts of other things like that as you start to get into a church plant, because those things affect the success of a church plan. And then I guess a third area is going to be the financial backing that you have at the launch. I will say until I go home and be with the Lord, and then I'll probably say it in heaven too, the KBC helped the longevity of LifeSong because they committed $100,000 to our church plant with no strings attached. And we were able to channel that into much of what we still have today to do ministry, equipment, technology, things like that that have lasted now for 16, 17 years. Coming up on April 25th at Tri-State Bible College, the second annual Appalachian Ministry Conference, Fulfilling Your Ministry with Hope in the Darkness of Appalachia. The conference is a full day starting at 8 a.m. with keynote speaker Dean Fox from LifePoint Church in Columbus, Ohio, Dr. Jeff Van Gotham from Dallas Theological Seminary, and Dr. Jakata from Tri-State Bible College, and storyteller Jacob Marshall. If you or your ministry is in Appalachia and you're looking for a recharge as you're navigating reaching a lost and sometimes dark community, this conference is designed specifically for you. The Appalachian Ministry Conference is at Tri-State Bible College in South Point, Ohio, Tuesday, April 25th. To register or for more information, visit tsbc.edu. That's tsbc.edu. That's one of the great challenges when you're, especially challenges in Appalachia, 
church planting is funding. I mean, because a lot of the church planters who come to Appalachia are planting churches that are going to need to be pastored by bivocational pastors. And that initial shot in the arm that came from the Kentucky Baptist Convention really set life song ahead. And, you know, of course, some of those high impact churches didn't make it, and but we're grateful that Lifesong did. And so let's talk a little bit about pastoring versus planting in Appalachia. You pastored a an established church, and now your church has become an established church, and we want to talk about that in a moment. But what's the difference between pastoring a church that's established, has been there for so long, like you said, Oakland Avenue, versus pastoring a new church like Lifesong was, especially at, the, at its planting? Well, you know, any of us who who are pastors that go into another new environment, whether it's an established church or a church plant, we have our own ideas. We have our own preferences. We have things that we've seen work or not work. And so you go into an established church, you are immediately in a revitalization mode, unless that's just an exceptional church, meaning that there may be, need to be changes made. One thing after 40 plus years of pastoring, I'd say to any young pastors out there is you better pump the brakes on that when you go someplace. My experience has been that until you get in the three to five year range of being at a church, you do not have the respect necessary or the trust build up necessary to make major changes. I know you see those things the first day you go on the door. But you have to learn to work within the culture of that church if you're an established church. That is a blessing about starting and planning a new church. At that point, it becomes all on you, meaning that if there are going to be any weird stuff that's going to happen at church, you started it. You can't blame anybody else for it. You know, Rex, you you talked about the lead up to a church plant. I mean, we met for seven, eight months before we launched with a core group. And that's all we did besides pray and worship together was, what do we want this new church to be like? What are the barriers that we want to go after intentionally to break those things down? What are the problems we've all experienced? Mm -hmm. And you address those at the beginning, and now they're not problems for you anymore. But you go into an established church and you try to change those things. They're always going to be tied to somebody. They're always going to be a history. There's always going to be a history there. You just really need to take it slow. I'll never forget when I did a strategic planning at West Lisbon Church out in Illinois. I think this was between year two and three there. And I did a change barrier survey. Uh, So I had a whole church Sunday school class. Everybody filled out the survey. And our number one change barrier was that we work really hard to maintain status quo. I'm, I, you know, I explained the results to the church and they were like, yeah, that sounds right. We work really, we want to keep things as they are. And, you know, w- one thing we chose to do early on that I would recommend to any church planter is the things that are really important to your church, what I would call your core values, which we have eight of those at Lifesong. We also have a purpose statement that is really important to us. Every person who's ever joined Lifesong had to go through a class where I got to share those with them. So everybody comes in understanding this is what this church is about. And I even tell them, hey, this class is for me to try to convince you to go somewhere else. Mm. Because if you can't buy into this, you're not going to be happy here. And you cannot do that at an established church. You just can't go that route. With the established church, 
there's been so many changes and we've seen the landscape of America change where in the past, even in a community like uh, which you and I live in, uh, in the Ashland or the greater Ashland community. <laughs> now, the folks here would hate to hear me say the greater Ashland community, but we, we know what we're talking about when we're when we think about that larger community. There was a lot of social equity in being a part of a local church. And now we've seen that change. We've seen that change in a in a pretty big way. I know having pastored and pastoring a an established church, there has to be a more aggressive stance than there once was. You know, it used to be we're not going to do anything different. We're going to keep the, maintaining the status quo. But in a community like we have across Appalachia, where the communities are in decline, they're not multiplying and they're not growing. They're not they're not increasing. There's such an important posture shift that has to take place where there's an aggressiveness now where there maybe we weren't able to be or didn't need to be in the past. So when we think about planting churches, it's easy to generate an initial excitement. This is something new. There's excitement in the air. You know, you're the first ones who've done anything. It's all excitement. But you've pastored Lifesong since, what did you say, 2006? What is the key to longevity there? What have you had to do to keep things going? And then we really want to talk about as now you've made the change that Lifesong is no longer the new new kid on the block, but rather has become established in its own right. So could you talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, when I was at Oakland Avenue, I had one of those life-changing moments. And I know the name Rick Warren may not be popular in a lot of circles right now at the present moment for different reasons, but Rick Warren, before he wrote Purpose Driven Life, wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Church. And I read that book when I was at Oakland Avenue. I would say that's the most single significant thing that has happened at Lifesong is that for 16 years, we have been able to stay singularly focused on our purpose. Now, I know that a lot of churches, and this is a lot of reason church plants fail, we come at it with a shotgun approach. Well, we just need to try to reach everybody, you know, and we're going to try to do all those things at one time. You can't, and no church does. You can take any established church, and I guarantee if you just sit back and analyze for a little while, there is a niche that they're reaching. Some age group, some ministry with a school or some some area that they've latched onto that. And that is really what drives them. I would say that's probably been our biggest success. Our purpose says that we're to take the message of Jesus to the de-churched and never churched of the area. That's all we focus on. We don't have programs that a lot of churches have that keep the saints happy and keep them well fed and, you know, and energized. I mean, we do discipleship, don't get me wrong. But we don't spend our money that way. We don't do our activities that way. We went from the VFW building in Green on Greenup Avenue to the Paramount Arts Center in order to try to reach more of the de-churched and never-churched. We started a satellite ministry in Boyd County to try to reach the de-churched and never-churched. So if you keep your church focused on your purpose, they're going to stay excited. They're going to stay moving. In fact, people say this about us. You know, the only thing we can know for sure at LifeSong is things are going to change. That's good because the church is a living organism. It's not an organization. It's a body. It's not a business. So we we need to be able to turn on a dime. And we're structured that way. You know, we didn't take typical 
SBC structuring, our people don't understand what a committee is. You know, we have a few teams, but we don't do our organization, our business decisions that way. And because of that reason, we're able to turn on a dime and go where we feel God's leading us. A lot of people have taken the course Experiencing God or read the book Experiencing God. And, you know, wherever God's at work, that's where we want to join him. And most churches, by the time they get through all their committees and get all their approvals and everybody signs off on it, God's already working somewhere else and you missed it. The book Simple Church is coming to mind as you talk, Keith. I'm thinking of clarity and alignment and focus and all those things are coming through as you talk about your purpose and how that's been the key to your longevity. Keith, you mentioned a satellite campus of Lifesong, and we talked about that really being an opportunity to plant churches in Appalachia in the future. Why do you think that that's an approach for church planting in Appalachia in the future? The satellite ministry is kind of one of my COVID depression points. You know, we all have those. Every pastor has their spots. Wow, this was going so well before COVID. But it was in summer of 2019. You know, we just felt like God opened up a door for us to start a satellite ministry in Boyd County. And if folks aren't familiar with Boyd County, right now, from what I read and the latest kind of studies, we might be looking at somewhere between 70 and 90 percent of Boyd County that doesn't attend church. And that used to be totally different numbers when I was a kid. So we felt like that was a need. Some of our folks were coming from Boyd County. So, you know, we thought through the first thing every church thinks about, well, let's plant a church out there. That's a huge financial undertaking. And so with a little bit of my background and, you know, I'm a geek at heart and everybody at Tri-State knows it that's been with me on the board for this first year. You know, I love technology. And so we started to look into what would it take for us just to satellite out there and rather than duplicate our staff to send our staff via technology to another location. Not because I think everybody needs to hear Keith Men's house preach on Sunday morning, but so that we could have a preaching point without the expense of another pastor that needed to be there. So we started that. And one of the things that we did to again, come against a barrier that we were afraid of. We thought, well, folks will say, I don't want to come watch TV every Sunday. So we just switched and nobody knew where we were going to show up. Sometimes we would go to Boyd County live and satellite back to Russell. And sometimes we'd be at Russell and satellite to Boyd County. And so that kept that down. But I mean, it was was really going well. We were starting to see a real latching on of families in the community out there. And then boom, COVID comes along. You know, we weren't able to hold on to that property. We're 60% of what we were as a church anyway, prior to COVID. So, uh, you know, that's still on my, my radar screen. And I think it is a viable way to plant churches in Appalachia because of the financial problems and challenges that we have in church here in Appalachia. We always struggle with finances. Any church struggles with finances. And if you can for you know, several thousand dollars get up and running for a preaching point somewhere. That's just the same quality as you're offering folks at your main campus. Then I think it's, it's it may be a new model to follow for a while. Well, you know, this is the same model, in essence, that the circuit riding Methodist preachers did. They would ride a circuit. You had a, the preacher would travel from place to place to place. And, you know, pastor really what amounts to a different church in each place what would have been there. 
This model's slightly different than that, but it's just kind of a new way to utilize an old technique, an old, an old approach that was in, immensely, immensely effective in evangelizing Appalachia. You know, it really is, Matt, because if it's even a little bit better, right? Because the circuit riding preacher on horseback was only there once a month, but here, at least digitally, you're getting the service every Sunday. And then the preacher showing up, you know, once or twice a month. So that's, I never thought about connecting it to that old school Appalachian methodology. Yeah, everything old's new again. Well, Keith, maybe let's close out with an encouragement to the church planners out there in Appalachia. We love to close with something like this from time to time. We have a lot of folks, hundreds of folks who are listening to the podcast. No doubt some of them are church planners or husband and wife team or kids in the, you know, core group getting ready to plant. What What's something of encouragement that you'd like to say to the church planning crowd? I guess I would say, you know, God called you to plant a church because he knows you. He gifted you. He knows where he wants to use you. And and the best thing you can do and I can do is to stop worrying about what's next or where this is going to go. If you're into church planting because you see yourself as the next mega church pastor, that's probably not going to happen in Appalachia. We can count on one hand the number of churches in our whole area that run over a thousand, maybe even half a hand. I don't know. But a pastor, when I was young, gave me a really good piece of advice at my ordination. He said, wherever God calls you, go get a shovel and dig a hole in the backyard and bury your heart and then throw that shovel away. And if God needs to dig it up, he'll know where it's at. I really tried to do that, whether I was in a high school building in Cleveland and Everybody laughed about my accent and all that sort of thing, or, you know, uh, rural Durham uh, or wherever it might have been. Just God knows where he wants to use me. He knows where he wants to use you. So stop worrying about that and just do what he wants you to do now. Well, Keith, thank you for that encouragement. Thank you for that little bit of instruction there, because it's so tempting when tough times come to find a way out, look for the way out. That's a good word. Whoever that pastor was that told you that, that's a, that's a good word to remember even today. Well, thank you, Keith, for taking this time with us today. Thank you for those who make this podcast happen. And we want to encourage you to like this podcast, to share it. That allows us to have a broader reach uh, for the Appalachian Ministry Institute and Tri-State Bible College. If you haven't signed up for the Appalachian Ministry Conference on April the 25th, let me encourage you to do that. Time's running out, but the price has been lowered. It's no longer $40, but it's $30. Those spots are filling up. So do that right now. Go to the Tri-State Bible College website and sign up for the Appalachian Ministry Conference. We look forward to seeing you there, hearing guys like Keith and Rex and Chosen Road. It's going to be worth your time to get away and be encouraged. You can't use a shotgun approach. Whether you are planting a new church or starting at an existing church, that's probably the best advice from Dr. Keith Menshouse on this Level Paths podcast. Churches are generally steeped in tradition and a region like Appalachia puts a lot of credence in their traditions. So a new pastor coming in and immediately cleaning house will generally be met with resistance. In a church plant setting, you may find more freedom in establishing new ministry approaches. But these things don't happen overnight. If you've been called to an existing church or you've been called to plant a new church, 
you may have some questions. That's where Rex Howe and Dr. Matt Shamlin can help. Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute exist as a resource. And no matter what need you may have, Rex Howe and Dr. Matt Shamblin want you to reach out to them today. Rex Howe is the president of Tri-State Bible College, and you can contact him by email at rex.howe at tsbc.edu. And you can reach out to Dr. Matt Shamblin at the Appalachian Ministry Institute by email matt.shamblin at tsbc.edu. The Level Paths Podcast is an outreach of Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute.